Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Test Case Scenario. I'm Jason Bauman with me as always today. We have Evelyn Cole and Marcus Merrill. And today we're going to talk about a topic that's uh, of pretty big importance, I think, to, to all of us. I think all of us have mentioned before that we feel very strongly about this. Uh, making the digital world more inclusive for everyone. Accessibility. Um, and, you know, when we're talking about how tech is intertwined with our daily lives, you know, ensuring that everyone can use and benefit from it is super crucial. Uh, whether you're a developer, tester, someone curious about making the digital space more inclusive, I hope that this episode can be for you. And um, I know that it's super passionate, especially for Marcus, who was our co-lead of we have an internal ERG at Sauce Labs for accessibility specifically. Um, so I guess I just kind of want to start there, Marcus, not to put you on the spot, but I'm going to put you on the spot. Like what sparked your passion for advocating for accessibility in software development and testing? No real clean answer, except that um, I, I started reading some articles as a result of some colleagues in the Selenium community who were starting to give talks on this. And I thought, I mean, I'm always trying to include more people. I'm trying to pull more people in. And what I real what I didn't realize until I started getting into it is that accessibility, it's just one of the things where like you you want to include people. And this is a case where it requires actual real work and that you should want to do it. And and so the way I've, I've sort of kind of emerged with like three different points of view on it, which is um, on the one hand, you should do it because it's the moral choice, because you should want to help people get to use your software. Then there's the the the, the business-driven revenue point where we have a survey out there that basically says that 15% of all web users require some sort of assistive technology in order to get their tasks done. And that of those 15% of people, 65% on a daily basis are prevented from doing their, their work or getting their tasks done as a direct result of software not being accessible. So you should want to expand your audience by 15% of people because there's like, imagine you have a bunch of slices of pie and this is the circle in the middle, 15% of the circle in the middle of the pie that only you would have access to if only you are accessible among your competitors or that you are now being excluded from if you're not part of that. So that's the second reason is business. And the third reason is uh, you're going to get sued if you don't do it. So you can be motivated by morality, you can be motivated by money, or you can be motivated by you don't want to get sued. I want to protect myself. I want to be motivated by fear because there are now things called accessibility trolls that are going and finding software that is not accessible and they're suing the crap out of them. It's happening in kind of a lot of places the way it used to happen with patent trolls kind of early on. Now it's happening with accessibility. So you got three really good reasons. Ultimately, you should do it for the morality reason alone, but if that's not enough, D number two and three. So that's kind of how I got on the topic. Wow, that's that's really interesting. That last part, especially, uh, I did not know that um, mm -hmm. accessibility trolls. Sort of like hacker, you know, hackers holding a ransom, you know, instead of yeah. the ransom, though, they're going to sue you. I mean, that's... Yeah, yeah, there's a... Effective. a yeah, there, there's a company uh, that, that makes software um, for, like... Um, 
event planning software specifically around like a beer and wine tastings and stuff like that. And, and they have a whole bunch of customers and someone went after them. And now those customers are kind of left out because that company kind of had to, I don't know exactly what happened in the case. I just know that, that they, they were hit hard and they couldn't continue effectively. So it's a real, it's a real problem. How hard it is. Um, is also, it? also uh, there's a very prominent pizza company who in 2000, I think 2021 or so, so was actually went to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court decided that if you make a food product that is like for delivery, not having an accessible website prevents people from being able to order. It's exactly the same thing, according to the ADA, as not having a ramp on your brick and mortar establishment. And Supreme Court ruled that. So your software has to comply now. That's fantastic. I mean, that's a great advancement. I mean, how do you, how do you think that the industry's perception of accessibility like has evolved over like the past decade or so? Unfortunately, I feel like most people are motivated by the fear part. A lot of people are doing it from morality and to increase their their guidance, but their their, their uh, customer footprint. But a lot of it is fear motivated. Um, what th there's these things called conformance guidelines. There's single A, double A, and triple A. And a lot of companies, so single A means that basically some people with disabilities are going to find it impossible to get access access information from your site. Double A means people with some disabilities will find it difficult to access information, but there are workarounds. They can get their work done. Triple A is people with some disabilities, like very few people with disabilities will find find it difficult. So like we're still going to allow for some problems, but like if you have triple A compliance, it's you're pretty, you're in good shape. Um, and there's all these tools that can help you sort of determine that. And there's audits that can be done on your software to determine whether it's, it's uh, good or not, you know. Interesting. Um, I think I just have this thought that keeps coming through my mind and I don't even know how to bring it up. But when we talk about accessibility and software, I'm just wondering if there's not enough culture around adding that as sort of a, a determining point when purchasing software. One, one thing that I've never heard is what well, we came down to these two competitors and we went with this one, all things being considered because of the accessibility was there, or we actually went with this competitor, even though it didn't have everything we needed because without being compliant for accessibility reasons, we wouldn't buy anything, right? So I, I'm not seeing that being brought up. And I, I think it's a huge failing. I want to be talking about these things. I want to be talking about this as part of the buying decision. Because if you're buying software, especially if you're a business, you're thinking that maybe your customers or your internal employees are going to be using it. And it behooves you to be able to have, have those people use it um, instead of just leaving people out on the lurch as a I don't know, an afterthought. I guess my my point is that everyone should be putting their money where their mouth is when it comes to accessibility. Yeah. Same point that Marcus was making. There's a thing that companies will ask for when they're getting a contract. It's called a VPAT, a Voluntary Product Accessibility Template. That's a sort of a standard document that you're supposed to fill out and say like how compliant you are. And I think part of the reason that we don't run into it here is because we don't have FedRAMP and it's typically government agencies that will ask for this, but it's starting to spread. We're starting to see it more. And it it seems like it goes hand in hand with really big enterprise contracts that they'll start to ask for this information 
early on in the process. And if you don't have it, typically your competitors don't either. So that's not really a choice that has it. We we kind of believe that if we were VPAT, we had a VPAT and we were FedRAMP, then we would have access to huge amounts of stuff. But but if we had FedRAMP, we'd have to have the VPAT in order to get a lot of those contracts. So I think we're kind of in the wrong side of, of uh, software game to, to see that. But uh, hopefully at some point we'll get both of those things and we'll start to see more uh, more stuff in there. Oh, and I, and I didn't mean just with, you know, with us, I just mm-hmm. meant when I'm, yeah. you know, purchasing anything, it's, yeah, it's a really good com- topic of conversation because I think it needs to be brought up more. So I, it's my challenge to our listeners is when the next time you're in a conversation about purchasing software, whether it's downloading an app on your phone or your device or your television or whatnot, or you're doing it as part of a business decision, be that person in the room who asks about accessibility. Yeah, and what I have found is, uh, just real quick, a lot a lot of people who ask about it, it turns out there is someone in their organization that is already has an identified need for assistive technology, and that motivates the the question. But it's not typically yet a regulatory requirement or anything like that, and, and it should be. Yeah, it's really too bad that it's not a regular. That, that that's actually where I was going to go with what I was going to say next was the fact that it's not a regulatory requirement but you know the ada so in the event industry like i've been i was in the event industry specifically working for trade shows uh still plan events uh i think that is one industry in particular that is extra conscious of ada requirements especially when you have big events and you're hosting lots of people and i guarantee there are going to be people who need to make use of some of those ADA, um, you know, uh, required uh, things that you have, uh, the ramp or whatever it may be, an elevator, whatever, if there's stairs. Um, I don't understand why it's not requirement. Like, what are your thoughts? Why well, do you think that is the case? Is it just so new? It, it is in some cases. So if you, like I said, food delivery, like pizza, whatever, it is it is a requirement. Uh, I think banks probably requirement, insurance, healthcare companies, that kind of thing. Like there there is a certain class of of app, but like games, no, no. And games is one of those where you just you know there's there's a moral question. There's a there's a uh, there's a revenue like am I going to find a new audience kind of question. Um, if if uh, your SaaS software and your SaaS software is using being used by hundreds or thousands, not millions, then it's probably not going to apply to you. That kind of thing. Um, so it is required in some cases. I think it's not required in some just because who the heck would enforce it? I don't know. That's just my that's my cynical outlook. <laughs> we we don't seem to have the last couple of executive administrations do not seem to have prioritized this kind of thing in our society. In Europe, they have very much. And it's become accessibility in 2023 is almost like the gdpr in europe in terms of its ubiquity and that's that's forced a lot of customers uh to, and, and people to be concerned about this we don't quite have that in the united states yet that's awesome Sorry, i had to straddle the line there on going political yeah. <laughs> no, what i'd be curious about is that top tier and marcus you'll have to remind me that top tier of certification like I, i'd be curious if there's groups like Facebook groups or meetups or just communities out there. That's the right word, based in communities 
um, of folks who would have a different opinion about the standards for those tiers, right? I could imagine folks sitting around saying, well, this website's supposed to be top certified and yet I can't get through it or none of my friends and I can get through it. Kind of like we were talking about um, in the gaming industry, sort of with like bugs and whether or not we we care to fix certain bugs or if we, we get the stamp and then we just continue moving forward. Um, I'd love to hear from some folks if, if they think that those tiers are on the mark, if, if they have opinions about what we should be doing or how a person who's purchasing software who may not need to use those, um, use those features can still contribute to the way that software gets written to, to have them. Yeah. Well, one thing I can tell you just right off the bat is that a lot of accessibility conversations and tooling um, very much skews towards the bias of visual impairments. So almost every conversation you have is going to be, how can we make this visually obvious? How can we highlight this in a different way? How can we make this, you know, high contrast enough? And those are all biased in favor of visual, whereas there's neurodivergence, there's motor issues, there's, there's uh, you know, what does it support the keyboard well enough, that kind of thing. So everyone you talk to is going to have their own version of the high priority rankings for how you should prioritize certain kinds of compensation for certain kinds of disabilities. And I, I think that that ends up making things so complicated that you get right back into the kinds of silos that exist in any other kind of discussion like this, where there isn't a massive profit motivation behind it. Yeah. yeah I think that's the problem, right? Is that it's where's the, <laughs> if where's the greatest number of people, right? Yeah. Who do we want yeah. access so to? I, and yeah, that's, I yeah, think so that's we... from, a, maybe that's a jaded way to put it, but I feel like if it's a business, they're going to make business decision regardless. For sure, but we're willing to go through some really intense audits for things like SOC mm -hmm. 2, right? Where there's mm -hmm. things are looked at from all sorts of different angles and get mm -hmm. really into the nitty gritty. And we've got other types of certifications where there's long lists of requirements that cover all sorts of different areas and people have gotten together to decide what those requirements should be. So I mean, if we're willing to do it for SOC 2, um, mm -hmm. And obviously, we'll never be able to catch everything, but I still think that the sky is sort of the limit when it comes to compliance for accessibility. Yeah, oh. yeah I agree uh, with I agree. you. I mean, I'm just being cynical. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, there are there are companies out there that do audits for ADA compliance. There's something called the WCAG, and I don't remember what it stands for. Maybe ChatGPT can help with uh, WCAG, can, uh, and it has a standards set. Uh, I think they they just they. They either just released or they're just about to release standard 2.2. So WCAG, people say WCAG 2.1, WCAG 2.2. Um, and it has different sort of levels of compliance. And it definitely captures things like neurodivergence and motor issues and hearing, uh, that kind of thing. Um, but like you said, not everyone is expected to meet everything all the time. And an audit will pretty much reveal the holes in whatever. But, you know, not everyone is held to the WCAG standard or the AAA standard, the ADA standard. Like not everyone agrees on what should go in there it's a standards body just like any other so the whole xkcd comic you remember that one where they say there are 14 standards and they're all different i'm going to create one standard to unite them all six months later there are 15 standards you know <laughs> um so it's 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 a big great big complicated world and and nobody's really wrangled at all in the one place but the WCAG is a really decent attempt at it and an audit can tell you where you fit in there And there's a lot of companies that do that 
I can plug yeah. DQ, D-E-Q-U-E. They, they do some really good work in the audit field. You brought up uh, ChatGPT, so this question is your fault. How do you see the intersection of AI and accessibility kind of playing out in the future? I feel like, I feel, and this is sort of my hot take, so not, not having thought about that much, um, people should be super careful. Um, there are companies out there, I'm dying to name names, but I'm not going to do it, but there's companies that make what's called accessibility overlay products where they take an, an, an app, a web page, a mobile app, something like that. They take it, not have any accessibility tooling, and they apply what's called an overlay, and they're like, boom, magic, accessible. Yay, go, go get customers, and now your site's accessible. And these companies are getting, their customers are getting sued right and left because it is an attempt at AI applying itself to uh, conformance standards that are simply too complicated for AI to handle at this moment in AI's evolution. Um, those, there's a New York Times article. Uh, funny, I, I was a little bit sad. I was interviewed for the article, but not ended up getting quoted. But um, it's talking about these overlay products and and like how they are opening people up for more liability than they had before. Um, and that, to me, is the danger you get into when you talk about AI. Now, I, I think it has a role to play. I'm just not exactly sure what it is yet. I think, Evelyn, you have any thoughts on AI and accessibility? I just worry about, you know, AI hallucinating. Maybe less about, you know, some of the tools yep. that come, come out mm. through this. But I'm tired of seeing the wrong Very answers much. being posted. I'm tired of AI articles. I'm, I, I worry that, you know, AI is going to replace things that, absolutely need to be done by a human um i'm thinking of like the apps for the visually impaired where somebody you know like it can text somebody or call somebody to go you know help them navigate a situation and you know ai replacing that would need to do a very good job because people's lives are at stake and yeah. same i mean it's the same you know problems we get into with anything uh uh, driverless cars and things like the standards i think ai should be we should we should use it we should include it we should continue to develop on it i think the standards need to be very very high and very stringent in order for them to in order for it to be helpful and in the case of using ai for accessibility purposes we have we have to get that right because it's it's not it's not fair to fail folks who are who, who potentially could already be at a disadvantage. Yeah, yeah. Plus one. Um, Y'all want to hear some uh, some examples uh, to to look out for, or, or sure. how this manifests yeah. in the world? Would that be useful? Yeah, um, absolutely. Because I know we're we're kind of we're going to have kind of a little shorter episode today, so I want to make sure we talk about this a little bit. So imagine you're on a website and you're you're on you're on a page, and there's a form that has you know first name, last name. Uh, address one, address two, city, state, zip code, um, you know, whatever that's U.S. biased, but you know, I apologize. Um, imagine you're on this website. Now, imagine that you're wearing a blindfold and you invoke what's called the screen reader. That's going to be uh, something that's made by probably the operating systems made by Microsoft or Google or, or Android. Or, you know, Android is not a company. Android is Google. Anyway, it's made by the, the company and it's it's basically keyed to do voice reading off of instrumentation inside your web page so if you have your form is instrumented right it's going to say like text field 
first name, Textfield, last name, Textfield, whatever, or it'll just read off those labels. If you don't instrument it right, it's going to say Textfield, 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 Textfield. And you'll have no idea which field takes what kind of data. Um, there's also a lot of, so, so that's one example. Like if you have fields, you need to use what's called the ARIA, A-R-I-A, the ARIA attribute, which will tell the screen reader, this is what this thing is for. And it gives the user context. Um, so that's one, that's one thing. That's one real common thing that accessibility scanners can just pick up on. Like you don't have your ARIA attribute set. And there's another one, which is hyperlinks. You see a whole page full of links and and do you want your screen reader to say HTTP slash slash www dot? And you don't want that. So giving descriptive links, not verbose links, but descriptive links for uh, text for hyperlinks. And there's another thing to watch out for is that there's a lot of text which will be displayed in a body. And then the link will say see more. And you click that and JavaScript pops in the rest of the text. So what you see a lot of times is the screen reader will say, You'll say, give me a list of links, and they'll say, see more, dot, 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 see more, dot, 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 see more, dot, dot, dot. Won't tell you what's in the paragraph. Won't give you any context around it. It'll just tell you what's in the Is that like the most common? Like, I've I've heard that and seen that before. Is that like one of the most common? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sort of reading off a list of, when I give a presentation on this topic, these are the ones I talk about. Because these are these are the ones that are fairly easy to catch and 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 also the most problematic. So it's like... If you get a few of these, you're going to do a really good, you know, you're probably going to make your stuff double A compliant without much effort. Um, one thing that I think is also important is images need alt text. And I think most people know this. So I don't need to belabor the point. Most images need to be to tell you what they're trying to describe. It's a diagram or a chart. Here's what they don't need. You have a blog post and the blog post is about uh, the best way to make um, ratatouille just off the top of my head. And in the blog post, there's a picture of a lovely couple sitting at a, at a picnic table and it's pulled from Shutterstock and nobody cares about it. But the alt text says couple sitting in a park with a table with a checkered tablecloth that has a plate and forks and knives and a picnic basket sitting nearby. And you're like, that has nothing to do with the content of this article. Don't include alt text on, you know, stock images that nobody actually cares about. Make the things relevant when you're going to, when you're going to put them in there. Are you saying um, not to put them at all, or should it say like stock photo of two? Yeah, stock photo. Yeah, that's probably good enough. Honestly, ask yourself if this actually read, like, didn't indicate that there was an image at all. Would anyone lose anything by it? That's the question. I think you using a recipe blog is like the worst example because ninety percent <laughs> of the things for anybody, regardless of your abilities, it is going to find everything on that blog really useless. Um, except for the recipe. But maybe this is yeah. one of those pieces where accessibility tools can actually benefit everybody because maybe. I'm sure there's apps or browser wrappers and thing plugins, I'm sorry, that that That's, boil yeah, recipe yeah. pages down to just the recipe template at the bottom. And this is one of those places where everyone could benefit. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, makes sense. Um, I mean, but you get my point, like blog post, shutter, shutter stock, whatever, d d don't, don't over alt, uh, annotate those, those images. Um, so color contrast, there is a way to measure color contrast using software. And if your contrast ratio is too low, like three to one is, is kind of low, 
meaning you have gray on darker gray or 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 slight light green on light on light blue that kind of thing the contrast is not high enough for people to be able to see it and so you want to go like a really big con and there's tools out there that can measure it i don't remember the name of the one that i'm using right now uh, but you'd like one 4.5 to one for text so that you can actually really make it pop out that kind of thing uh, tpgi.com i think is one of the places where you can get tools for this kind of thing um then let's see um i got a couple others here if you want to hear some more here's one here's one that i hate target practice when you're using a mouse there's a lot of times when there's a big field and there'll be a radio button or a checkbox next to that field and nowadays most sites when you hover over the entire row the entire row will slightly change color and then when you click the row it will select the checkbox but there's still some holdouts out there where you have to click a five by five pixel radio button. And I lose my mind every time I have to do that because you've got a great huge number of like probably literally thousands or tens of thousands of pixels you could click on. You're making me click on this tiny little box right here. Drive me insane. Um, I actually have a preference also, although nobody does this. I like text fields that you're typing into to be a monospace font. So I don't have to, if I'm trying to get between the I and the L, I don't have to just like, I have a two pixel radius I can click within. Uh, nobody ever does that, but I, I really wish we would start doing that. Um, so anyway, these are just some some of the, the ones I just wanted to throw out a few of theirs that you can all sort of go look at your software critically and, and start to think about. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing that, Marcus. Um, and we'll probably need to do a follow-up episode to, to this one, I think diving into even more of those, because I think that would be really cool, helpful. Yeah. And maybe some cool. tools get and some, things like that. Yeah, some yeah. real experts in there too. I mean, I, I'm still a lay person, uh, no matter how much I talk about this. Uh, sure you are. So much. No, I mean, really. They're, no, there's certifications. There's no, stuff. I, I am truly, by definition, a layperson. <laughs> I have no no ego about that. <laughs> well, appreciate your, your educating us on the topic. And um, thank you so much to... Uh, to you, Evelyn, also for, for, you know, participating in the discussion and, you know, it's something passionate, I think to all of us and, you know, I, I don't want to speak for you both, but since we're closing out the episode, I will, uh, you know, accessibility isn't just a feature. It is a right. I think that's kind of the message. And I think that people, uh, who are developing software need to, to understand that. Uh, I think many do, but many more have to. And we'll get there. Uh, it's a process. It's a step forward. And um, and we'll get there. Hopefully, uh, if you've caught this episode and you weren't thinking about it, now you are. And that's one thing that we could do to, to put some good into the world today. Um, and uh, thanks for joining us for this episode. We will catch you again next time when uh, we'll talk about another great topic to be determined, but that's how we kind of roll. <laughs> this has been test case scenario. Thanks so much. Have a great day, everybody. Bye. Thank you. Bye.